Okay, okay, that's all you get. That's all you get. Uh, good evening. Welcome. To, it, is, it has been 526 days since we had a large group in here. Um, that is crazy. So you're, if you're a first year, you've obviously never been here. If you're a sophomore, you have also never been here. If you're a junior or senior, welcome back. It is nice to, it is nice to have you again. It is a, it is a joy to be, uh, to be in person. This is another cool thing. This is also, the, this week is the 20th anniversary of the very first RUF large group here at Washington Lee. And the campus minister was John Pearson, who's back there with his family. And um, that's just, he's, he's now my boss's, boss's, boss's boss. Is that right? He's my great, great, great grand boss. Uh, he was Maggie's campus minister. My name is Lewis Lovett. I, I am just really, really glad to, to see you. If I have not met you yet, will you please introduce yourself? I would love to meet you. If, if you think I know who you are, you're wearing a mask, so I don't. So come and, don't come and talk to me. Um, my wife is Maggie, who's right here. She's also, she's also the best. Uh, we, have, we have four daughters uh, who some of you know and who you'll see running around at various points. But we want to we welcome you and add our welcome. Um, it is a real, real joy to get to be a part of uh, what God is doing on this campus um, and doing that through RUF. So we've been here. This is our seventh fall, and um, we really love getting to be, be here with you guys. Um, there's a lot of things you could be doing tonight other than be here, right? You, you could be studying, which I'm sure was really tempting. Uh, you could have watched the Sunset of Blue Ridge Park where you could have gone and gotten the, the shake of the week at Cookout, which is uh, Toffee Heath, actually. <laughs> Dolph. Um, but you're here, and I'm just really, I'm just really excited about that. Um, RUF is, is a community of students. It's a community of students that are seeking to, to know and experience the love of God more and more and, and are seeking to respond to that by loving God and by loving each other and by loving this campus. That, that's what we're about. That's what we're trying to do. And I'm really excited that for this moment and this hour that you are, you are here to be a part of, uh, of that journey uh, with us. This is a great place to be. It's a great place to be and to get connected and to build relationships if you know and love Jesus. And it's a great place to, to be and connect and build relationships if you're just curious and wondering about life and faith, if you have questions and doubts. Uh, this is a great place to be and build relationships if you're just looking for a place to be and build relationships. We're really glad you're here, uh, no matter where you are or for what reason you walked into that door, even if you were peer pressured by your RA and you were afraid you would get in trouble if you didn't come. That's a good enough reason for me. And I'm, and I'm really glad that you're here. Um, what, there's lots of different ways that we seek to do this knowing God and loving God and loving each other thing. Um, you've, you've heard about our small group uh, communities that are happening. I would really encourage you, uh, in any of you, especially if you're a first year, to, to check out small groups. Um, it's, a, it's just a great time. This is a weird place to feel like known. But those smaller communities are great places to feel known and to where you can, you can encourage one another, hold each other accountable, ask those hard questions in, a, in an environment that's safe. So I would encourage that. We do it all together on Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. And so what we do is we sing to God. And, and, and what we're going to do now is we're going to turn to attending God's word, the Bible. And so each week you'll see a, a Bible open. If you, if you have a Bible, you can bring a Bible. But we're always going to print uh, the passage that's on your handout. Um, but, but we actually want to look at what God's Word says because we want everything that we do in this journey of knowing God and loving Him and loving each other to be rooted in what God has spoken to us. And so we just prayed, Word of God speak. It's not just a fun line. We actually want God's Word to speak to us and to be, and to be at work in us. And we're starting a series on community. So what we're going to be doing each week is looking at different places in the Bible all throughout the Scriptures in the Old and New Testament 
that speak to different angles of what community is, of this uh, group of people that God has called to be his own. And, and we'll talk about community, and we'll talk about community in general. We'll also be referring a, a little bit to RUF at, at WNL. Uh, another good word for community is church, the church. And so one of the things that we want to do is actually for you to be thinking about what is God's church in the world as, as a universal thing and then these little manifestations and expressions of it, like at Grace Prez or Rockbridge or uh, Grace Episcopal or wherever it is that you might check out a church. But we're doing this for a couple reasons. And I, I think the biggest is probably because uh, of all the things that were really, really hard in the past uh, year and a half during, during COVID and all kinds of other difficult things in our community and in our world and our country, is that community was really, really hard. In fact, if you were in college or high school last year, community was against the rules. Community was, was bad. Community was a bad word. And getting together and being with people was something that you just weren't supposed to do because it wasn't safe. And so one of my hopes and prayers is that God would use our time this year to help us to, to rediscover the beauty of community and get to experience that and share in it in, in a deeper level together. So if that's something that sounds good to you, I hope that you'll, I hope that you'll keep coming to RUF and I hope that you'll uh, go on this journey with us to discover what it is that God is calling us to when it comes to being a group of people that are, that are, that are, that are together in life, that are seeking to walk not just as individuals, but shoulder to shoulder and, and arm to arm. The, the last thing I'll say before I jump into the passage we're going to talk about tonight is that this this series on community, it's going to be both uh, descriptive and aspirational, okay? So it's going to be descriptive in that some of the things that I'm going to talk about are things that are just true of Christian community. They're true of churches. They're true of RUF at WNL. But uh, as, you'll, as you'll soon learn, if you haven't already, uh, RUF at WNL is, is broken. And I'm broken, and your small group leaders are broken, and so are you. And so our experience of community isn't what, it, isn't what it should be. So it's also aspirational because we want more and more to experience what, what I think is a good gift from God, which is the, the, the joy of fellowship with one another. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. And we need uh, God's word to help us grow together. So are you ready? Can we do it? Can we start? Let's start now. I think we should start now. We're looking at, uh, at 1 Peter 2. If you haven't ever uh, read the book of 1 Peter, and I know some of you probably are not familiar with, with the Bible, the Christian Bible, but uh, 1 Peter is a book that comes towards the, towards the end of the New Testament and um, towards the end of your Bible. It's written by, by Peter, the apostle of Jesus, one of Jesus' best friends, the one uh, on whom Jesus said he was going to build the community of the church. So, so Peter's sort of an authority, okay, as it were, when it comes to community. And, it, and this book, 1 Peter, is all about uh, the hope that we can have as believers, even when things are difficult, even when we go through trials and persecutions, because God's promise is to be faithful to us now and for eternity. That's, that's kind of what the book of First Peter is about. And we're going to look at just one little passage. I'd encourage you to check out First Peter. You can read the whole thing in about 12 minutes, probably. So it's, a, it's, an, it's an easy read. But we're looking at a, a, a one passage from 1 from Peter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. And uh, it would be great for you to read along with me. Uh, from your hand or your Bible if you have it. First Peter 2, we're just looking at these 10 verses. So please read with me. Here's what Peter says. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Will you pray with me and then we will get started. Jesus, thank you for the gift of this time. I'm, I'm so thankful to be in this room and in person. And uh, we need you. Our community needs you. We as individuals need you. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would uh, work through your word right now in us so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maggie and I and our children got a, we got a COVID puppy dog. It's a chocolate lab. His name is Pippin. That's uh, named after Peregrine Took from Lord of the Rings. Nerd alert. Talk to me later. And um, as uh, the only other boy in my family, Pippin and I, we do a lot of guy stuff together. And every morning, Pippin sits next to me while I read my coffee on the screen porch. Every morning. It's just me and Pippin out there. And uh, eventually, you know, it's time for our kids to wake up and they they come downstairs and we get going with breakfast and packing lunches and all the things that uh, we have to do to get them out the door for school. And, you know, they have to be out the door at like 740. So 830 classes, cry me a river, okay? <laughs> and, um, and Pippin, before I come inside, I always I fill up his, his food bowl with his breakfast. And then I go, and then I go into the kitchen with, with my family. And these days, Pippin it totally ignores his breakfast. And instead, he, he lifts up his paws on the window still, and he just stares into the kitchen with his tongue out and his tail wagging, just waiting. Because Pippin longs to be a part of everything that our family does. He does not want to be alone. He wants to belong with us. He wants to be included with us. He wants to be a part of what's happening. And eventually, we let him in because he's eaten through the screen. And he actually can, and it's a, that's a whole long story. That if, if you're a first year in college, like that's kind of what a night like tonight probably feels like, right? Like you are seeing that there is community and it is this thing, but you don't really feel like you're a part of it yet, but you want to be. You want to belong. You want to be included. You want to be with these people that you see. And, and in fact, we all have that, right? We all have that like deep in our hearts desire to belong with a group of people, to be a part of something that isn't just ourselves, to be shoulder to shoulder with other people in our lives. And, and if there's one thing I, that, that you hear me say tonight, I want, I want you to know that God longs and desires for you to get to experience that kind of belonging and togetherness with other people. And in fact, he is inviting you to be a part of that with his people, which is what we're talking about tonight. But he longs for you to get to experience that kind of that kind of togetherness. And, and one of the things that I hope and I pray uh, through something like RUF or through another campus ministry, if that's where you find community, or through a small group of friends 
or through a Bible study or through a local church is that you would receive that good gift that God has on offer for you to belong with a group of people. And that's what community is. Community is when you belong with a group of people, and it's something that we all desperately long for. We're going to talk each week about sort of different aspects of community, and we're going to set the tone for that with this passage and talk about uh, Christ-centered community. The kind of community that God calls us to and that God invites us to is a Christ-centered community. And, I, and we see that in three ways that I'm going to go through quickly in this passage. First, that, that community is dependent on Christ. Second, that community is indwelt with the Spirit of Christ. And then third, that community is decisive about Christ. It's dependent on Christ, it's indwelt with the Spirit of Christ, and it's decisive about Christ. So first, community is, is dependent on Christ. And, and I, I find myself a little shocked by the way that this, this section starts. Look at what, look at what uh, Peter says in the beginning. He's basically saying, uh, don't, don't use, as you think about what it's like to do community, and by the way, the use, all, all these verbs are plurals. He's, t- he's talking to groups of people. And anything you read in the Bible is, is community talk. He's saying, don't operate out of things like malice and deceit. Don't, don't operate uh, with agendas. Don't operate trying to gain power. Don't operate trying to gain fame and influence. Instead, he says, be like a newborn infant. Be like a little baby. And I find this to be a little bit of an insane thing. Because I live in a world, and you live in a world, that, that tells me that in order to have what I'm after, I need to be strong. And I need to be independent, and I need to be self-sufficient, and I need to be able to handle everything that comes my way. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the Apostle Peter, the one on whom Jesus is establishing the community of God in the world, tells you to be like a little baby, a newborn infant. Have any of you guys ever gotten to hold a, like a brand new baby? A lot of you guys, if, if you haven't, you, you will get this joy sometime in your life. You know, Maggie and I have four girls. We got, we've gotten to experience these brand new babies. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went over to some friends from church who just had this beautiful baby girl named Waverly. And we were there, I think she was five days old when we went there, is that right? Less, less than a week old, and we're sitting in their, on their backyard, and Maggie, are, Maggie and I are kind of getting to take turns holding this, this teeny little bundle of beauty and joy. And Maggie looks up at Fawn, the mom, and says, she just needs you for everything. Like, this little baby can't fall asleep on its own. It can't get fed on its own. It can't get clean on its own. It can't stay warm on its own. It can't do anything. It is completely dependent on mom. Without mom, it's going to die. And Peter is saying that level of dependence is the way that the people of God are to think about Jesus. We have to look to Jesus for everything. And we need a lot of things, right? We need belonging, and we need purpose, and we need value, and we need worth. We need food in our bellies every day. We need sleep. We need love. There's all these things that we need, and the question here is, where do we look for those things? Do we think we're going to get those things by the internship that we get? Do we think we're going to get those things you know, based off the kind of responses we get to our Instagram posts? Do we think we're going to get those things from our GPA or from the way that the boys or the girls that we like act when we're around them? We're, we're always looking to get the things that we need, and, and you all need things. That's okay. The question is, where are we looking? 
And the place to look is, according to Peter, this pure spiritual milk. We need a little, we need a little baby bottle. But that thing that we need that we're totally dependent on, according to Peter, is actually the person of Jesus himself. That's what pure spiritual milk is. It is Jesus Christ. And the community of God, the people of God, is the kind of community that is looking to Jesus for everything. Now, uh, each of us does this imperfectly, right? And of course, as a community, we do this imperfectly. And we are swayed by all different kinds of things that we look to that are the wrong things. But we are trying to be a community that answers this call, that responds to God's love for us by looking to him and depending on him for everything. That's why Christians pray. Because we need him, right? We need him for everything. So the Christian community is, de- is dependent on Christ. Secondly, tonight, uh, the Christian community is also indwelt with the Spirit of Christ. And this is that weird part in the middle that talks about living stones. You've got this weird section where first Jesus is described as a, as a living stone who's been rejected but who's precious by God. And then he says, and you are living stones. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. What is going on here? What does this mean? Okay, When you hear spiritual house, and when you hear priesthood, and when you hear sacrifice, if, if you're familiar with the Bible, those are, those are words that ding, ding, ding in your brain, and that make you think back to the temple. And, and I, I know some of you aren't Christians. Some of you probably are not familiar with the Old Testament part of your Bible, but the temple was this, was this building. It was this house in Jerusalem, which is the chief city of the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And this isn't just a place of worship. The, the temple is the location on earth in the midst of the people of God where the presence of the almighty God who made heaven and earth lived in the midst of their community. It's where God's home was. It's like an outpost of heaven here on earth where the very presence of the spirit of the God of the universe lives with his people. And so their relationship with God is rooted around this location. And at this time in the story of God's people, it's a physical location where his presence really was. And so what Peter is saying is that you who believe in Jesus, you yourselves as a community are this new temple. Which means that you and me together as the people of God are the physical location where the spirit of Jesus actually lives today. So it means Jesus is here, now, really. The actual presence of the Spirit of Christ is actually here. And we say things a lot like, um, you know, God is always with me. But I think this is something that is almost impossible for the human brain to wrap its mind around, that the spirit of Jesus is, is actually among us and with us as a community, and that we are actually marked and defined by being that group where God lives. That's who we are. So that means that when you come to RUF, or when you go to a Bible study, or when you go to church, you should not go so that you might learn about Jesus. You actually are invited to go so that you might encounter the presence of Christ because he's there because he's here the community of God is, is dependent on Christ and it's indwelt with the spirit of Christ lastly tonight it's decisive about Christ 
So Peter, uh, he continues this metaphor of, of the house, of the community of God being this building. And, and now he gives these three different quotes from the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it's that big chunk. It's like the three-fifths of your Bible is the Old Testament. Okay, you should, you should read it. It's most of the Bible. Uh, he, qu- he quotes Isaiah twice here, and he quotes uh, Psalm 118 once. Uh, and he refers to Jesus now as not just a living stone, but now this word cornerstone. We're going to sing, the last song we're going to sing tonight is called Cornerstone. You might know that song. Uh, the, the, the cornerstone of a building, it's like that first stone laid in that strategic place that bears the weight of the entire structure and on which the rest of the building is built. That's what the cornerstone is. He's saying Jesus is that first part, that initial piece of the people of God, of the community that we are called to, that we are given by God in his grace and love. Jesus is the thing that carries it all and that all of it is built on. And the intensity of this passage comes with the recognition that some believe that. Some are building their lives on Jesus because they believe that he is the cornerstone and some are not. And if you are, your life is marked by the kind of stability that comes from a sure foundation. If, and, and, and if you don't, your life is marked by what he describes as a stumbling. See that part that says a stone of offense and a stumbling? Because the claim here is that there is only one thing, only in fact one person who is strong enough to be the cornerstone of your life and of the life of us together as the community and people of God, and it's Jesus. And this requires a moment of decisiveness for us as a people and for each of us as individuals. To say, do we believe that? Or do we not yet believe that? Justin, in his, in his sermon at Our Church Grace on Sunday, shared this quote from C.S. Lewis that stood out to me that I'm, that I'm going to read to you that kind of uh, gets to this decisiveness. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. Um, he said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You hear that? Christianity, if it's not true, it doesn't really matter. But if it's true, it's all that matters. It means it requires decisiveness if you want to try to pursue who God is. It means you don't have to take the Bible seriously. But if you do, then you have to take it seriously. And this is part of what the invitation that we're going to see from the Scriptures again and again this semester is to take really seriously Jesus' claims about who he is, in himself, who he is for us, and what he calls us to be in response to that. And I want you to wrestle with the decisiveness of that kind of moment. I want you to wrestle with the invitation that Jesus says, if you want, you can believe on me. You can stand on me. You can be built up in this house which is living, which is growing, which is having wings and additions and floors added to it all the time as the people of God grow over the whole world throughout history. But not everyone wants that. Some of us want to build our lives and the lives of our community on ourselves, on our name, on some other worldly philosophy or worldview, on another religion. And I want you to wrestle with that question as you consider what you want to be building your life on at the beginning of a new school year. Do you want it to be Jesus or don't you? Part of the the beauty here about this community is the reality that there are, there are some here in this room tonight who are building their lives on God. And there are some here who don't even know what I'm talking about. 
and then don't buy this stuff. Don't buy that this, that this Jesus can be someone who could really be depended on. Don't buy that his presence could be in this room right now that you can't see. Who don't believe that he actually has adequate answers to the questions and the longings of your heart. Some of you just don't buy it. Some of you are curious and you're wondering and you have that sense that you are longing for a little bit more. I have this life, but I kind of feel like I'm missing something. I want a little bit more. Maybe I'm going to come hear about Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, even though this community is decisive about Jesus, you get to be a part of this community no matter where you are in your own decision-making process about God. It doesn't matter. All are welcome. And Jesus does this thing where he calls us radically to believe in him, and yet he welcomes and accepts everyone to come be a part of his people. And so if you're hearing this and you're hearing uh, thinking to yourself, you know, I don't know if I'm all in with Jesus. Can this still be a place for me? Yes. I don't know if I'm ready to be all in with Jesus. Is it cool if I show up at church? Yes. Because he's patient and he's kind and he's forgiving and he's good and he's beautiful. He's all those things. And he invites us to come and to Come and to see. And, and I want that to be kind of what RUF is like for you this year, to, to come and to see Jesus and to hear about what kind of life he's calling you to, to hear about this people of God and to ask yourself, is that the kind of people that I want to be a part of? I, I think that the reasons for wanting to be a part of that are really, really good. Our, our passage ends tonight with this, uh, this sort of incredible list of all the wondrous realities of being a part of the community of God. This is in verse 9. It says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of God's own possession, whom he has called from darkness to light. Th- those are the things that we're going to unpack over the course of the semester. What does it look like to be dependent on Jesus as a community? What is it like to experience the blessings and realities of the presence of Jesus with us? What does it look like to experience the blessings of having as your cornerstone, as your foundation, something that is as solid and as good as Jesus? That's what we're going to talk about each week. I, um, I was hearing a story that Maggie was telling me because she's reading a book uh, and I was thinking about, you, you, you all probably know this is also the 20th anniversary this weekend of the, the attacks of September 11, 2001. And, um, you know, such, such a horrible day in so many ways. Uh, there's also all these different stories of uh, goodness, of human beauty that come out of that kind of thing. And the story that I heard is about this little town in Newfoundland, Canada, Canada called Gander. And Gander is a town of about 7,000 people. It's exactly the size of Lexington, Virginia, where we live. And uh, as, the, as the morning of September 11, 2001 unfolded, one of the things that the U.S. did was to shut down all its airspace. So you had all these airplanes that had to get, just get out of the sky immediately and land wherever they could. And a lot of flights that were heading towards places like New York or D.C. got, got diverted to land elsewhere. And one of the places that a lot of planes landed was this little town of 7,000 people called Gander. And 38 planes and 7,000 people landed in this little town. And all they were told uh, was that they weren't going to land where they thought they were. And they were told over the speaker that there had been this horrible attack and that the airspace was shut down and we're going to land in Gander, Newfoundland, Canada. Uh, can, can you imagine what it would be like? You got to realize this is 2001, right? No, there, there's no smartphones. People aren't like tracking the news on their phone and being able to FaceTime their loved ones to let them know they're okay. Nobody knows what's going on. No one can get in touch with their, with their family. And they get pulled out of a plane after they sit there for eight hours while the, while the, the airports and the airlines decide, what, what are we even allowed to do right now? And, and, they, and they roll, and then they're standing on these tarmacs with these school buses in front of them. 
Can, can you imagine what that would have felt like in that moment? Like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know where I am. I don't have an extra pair of underwear. I don't have a toothbrush. I don't have my next meal. I don't have a place to sleep. What am I going to do? And, and what, what happened in this town of Gander was this incredible outpouring of generosity and this incredible welcoming into community. So the people, when they got off planes, they were, they were handed plates of food and toothbrushes. And they were brought to, to high schools and to libraries and to universities and given a place to sleep. The people who lived there stayed up all night long that, that first night so that they could serve breakfast to all 7,000 of those people. They would invite them into their homes so they could take a shower. And then they would stay for dinner and they would, they would feed them. There was this incredible bond were formed. These relationships, these friendships were, were formed. So that some people uh, in, in the video interviews that I saw in this uh, the, today as I was trying to learn about this are talking about weeping as they left to go home after these two weeks that they spent in this place. Listen to what verse 10 says. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. That's what that kind of moment is. You look around, I, I, have, I have nobody. And then you, then you start to be welcomed, and all of a sudden you have a place to fit and a thing to be a part of and something to belong to. That, that's the kind of thing that Jesus is inviting you to. To say, once you were not a people, but I want you to come be a part of my people. And once you had not received mercy, but I want to invite you to have my mercy poured out on you in love. And my hope and my prayer for you this year is that you might experience the joys of coming and being a part of God's people so that he can claim you as his own and love you like a perfect father. And we want to try to do that together. So that's what we're going to do. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I'm really thankful for this night, thankful for the chance to, to worship and to look to your word, thankful for the ways that you have called us out of darkness into marvelous light. And I pray that as we explore the, the fullness of that as a community this year, that you would uh, help us to encounter you, you would grow our dependence on you, and you would fill us with the riches that come when we build our lives on you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.